Morning, everyone. How is everyone today? Good, good, good. Well, I have some good news maybe for most of you and bad news for some of the rest of you. Uh, today is my last time preaching for a while. Jill starts in two weeks, so let's all be thankful that this is my last time for a while. But with that being said, I'm going to say whatever I want, right? They can't tell me no, because I'm not going to preach, and I'm going to wear whatever. Two weeks, last time I preached, I tried to talk Danielle to let me wear my cool colored shoes, and she said no. And so I said, I don't care this time. I'm going to do what I want. So as some of you may know, we, we canceled our high school programming this morning and said we're going to take that high school programming and bring it in to here this morning, to big church as we call it. Uh, and we're going to take a moment this morning to celebrate our seniors. But before we, we can do that, I've got to be honest, the staff as we were meeting this week, they were like, well, when are we going to do announcements? And I said, I'll do announcements. You know, I'll do them in the front of the beginning of my sermon. And they were telling me all the things that needed to be announced. You know, breakfast with dad, June 12th. Choose your own adventure. Um, I don't know. There's a Guatemala mission trip coming up. And I said, guys, I will not announce any of that. I won't do it. I'm only going to announce what I'm going to do. And what, I'm, what ministry we're doing. So here's what I'm going to announce. High schoolers. Today's the last day to sign up for the high school mission trip. We're going to Acuna, Mexico. If you have a high schooler, get them signed up today. Also, uh, we're going to COI Move. We have less than 10 spots left. So if you have a high school student or an eighth grader, uh, this is the event to help get your student plugged in. Uh, we spend a week away together. We're going to Bowling Green, Ohio. Uh, it's, it's an incredible speakers, worship, small groups. And then college-age people, 18 to 25, we have a gathering tonight at Modox uh, at 8 o'clock. Free drinks. Come hang out. We'll talk Jesus. So there's your announcements, what I wanted to do. Sorry, staff, I'm gonna do what I want. So, so since we're doing high school programming in here today, we're gonna play a game. Is that okay, can we play a game? Good, I like games. So did you know the graduates, most of them graduate or were born in the year 2003? Can you believe that? Some of you, that's kind of cringeworthy. 2003, it seems like yesterday, doesn't it? So we're, I'm gonna ask you three questions, one at a time, and you have to decide what took place the year these graduates were born. Can we do that? All right, let's, let's see the first one. Which of these took place in 2003? One, Ugg Boots became famous. Two, the first season of the show Survivor. Survivor. Three, Apple iTunes launched. Or four, the biggest blackout in US history in the Northeast. Now, if you're online with us this morning, make sure to put one, two, three, or four uh, so we can see. But if you've got your answer, go ahead and raise your hand with whatever number you think it is. I want everybody participating. So if you're in this space, I'm sorry, you showed up, you, you, you have to participate. I don't see many hands. Come on, people. I see some twos, some threes. All right, let's see the right answer. Number three, Apple iTunes. All right, let's go to the next question. Who won the Super Bowl in 2003? The Detroit Lions? We all know that's not true. <laughs> The Eagles, the Browns, also we know that's not true. Or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right, let's see your answer. If you have anything other than two or four, you probably don't watch football. All right, all right, let's see the answer. The Buccaneers. There you go. All right, one more, one more question. So what Pixar movie was released in 2003? We got number one, Monsters, Inc., number two, Cars, number three, Toy Story 2, or four, Finding Nemo. All right, let's see those answers. What do you think? One, two, three, four. Again, you're online. There we go, Finding Nemo. There's your, there's your fun fact for the day. And it's hard to believe these people graduated in 2003, right? I was a sophomore in high school at 2003, and that makes me feel old still. 
But thank you for playing this morning, and thank you for getting a little bit of a taste of what it's like up in high school, up in the loft together. So we are excited to celebrate our seniors today at a special Senior Sundays, and we do want to take a moment to honor uh, and celebrate them. And we're going to say a few things, but I also believe some of the words we're going to say will challenge all of us together this morning, and there are words that each of us need to hear. Transition and change. Hmm. Some of you don't like those words, transition and change. I don't like them either. And they can incite many terrifying emotions, right? Change is hard. Transition is hard. I remember when I was 18, so young and full of life, remembering what it felt like to get out of bed and not hurt in the morning. Anybody else? Okay, maybe that's just me. Maybe it's because I'm overweight. I don't know, but it hurts to get out of bed. And that feeling like you know everything you remember that when you were 18? You thought you knew everything in the world? It was awesome. Those were the days. Being an adult stinks, right? Can we all agree to that? There were a lot of stinky moments as an adult, and I remember the moment very clearly where I realized I don't, in fact, know everything. I went to school at Cincinnati Christian University, and I had a friend there who worked at the coffee shop there, and I decided, you know what, I'm gonna get a job, this sounds easy, I'm gonna make lots of money, I'm gonna be like a coffee-pouring, sandwich-making phenom, right? The best you'd ever seen. I'm gonna be rolling in the dough, both literally and metaphorically, right? It's gonna be amazing. And the first day, I remember the day before classes started, a couple days, I had my first day on the job. Just an hour or two was a training, they were just teaching me how to pour coffee and make sandwiches, you know, easy. It was gonna be so awesome and so easy. So the next, that Monday, I remember, I had classes at 9, 10, and 11 a.m. First classes as a, as a punk 18-year-old in college. And I remember that first class for those, for those three, three classes that morning. I'm pretty sure it was the teacher's job to see how many students they could get to quit on the first Day. They gave you this thing called a syllabus, or as I like to call it, the student's guide to failing. You guys know, you guys remember these? It had every test, every homework, every book, every assignment, how you would spend every single second the entire semester working on this one class. And then I had three of those conversations back to back to back at 9, 10, and 11 a.m., my first day of college, and there were a lot of my friends were upperclassmen, so they were prepared for this. I was not, so they were all going up to the cafeteria for lunch, and for the first time in my life, I had no appetite. I, 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 was, not, I was not hungry. So I went back to my room, and can I be honest with you guys for a second? You promise not to judge me? I went back to my room, and you know what I did? I cried. I bawled my eyes out. I was so overwhelmed. I didn't know what I, what I was going to do. So I did the next most logical thing. I called my friend who got me the job, and I said three things. I'm sorry. I quit. I just can't do this. No two-week notice. No nothing. Like, I'm done. Sorry. I made sandwiches one day. I didn't even get paid for that one day that I worked either. It's probably why CCU went under, but it's another conversation. But... I have a feeling some of you have those same type of moments in college too. Can I, can I see a show of hands? Anybody else cry the first week of college? There's a few honest people. Thank you. If you're online, put that down. That, so that way I can go back and watch and just make sure I remember I'm not alone in that embarrassment. Um, but 
I can promise you, whether you're graduating high school or college, or whether you're an adult, whether you're going to work, whether you're going to school, you will have moments that are terrifying. And you're not sure what to do, and so you're welcome for giving you an excuse to go cry in your room for a while, because I gave you that example, so you're welcome. But no, we all have those moments, change, transition, it's all hard. And I believe there's something we're gonna learn this morning from Paul and Timothy. We're gonna be in the book of 2 Timothy this morning. We're gonna primarily be looking at the first chapter in this relationship between Paul and Timothy. And here's what we know of this relationship. Paul traveled to Lystra to visit where Timothy lived, and Timothy was well-respected amongst the people there in Iconium just as a follower of Jesus and a minister to the gospel. And Paul really invested a lot in Timothy. He showed them the ropes. He showed them what it looked like to follow Jesus. He showed them what it looked like to be a pastor in the day and a missionary. And in the letters Paul wrote in First and Second Timothy, we see Paul was trying to say a few things to him And this morning, we're going to take a look at those things this morning to see what Paul was trying to teach Timothy and and what I want to share to our graduates and what I want all of us to understand today. So open up your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And the first thing I want you to see as we get going here is that Timothy was family. To Paul, Timothy was family. He was just not an acquaintance, not just a friend, but Timothy was family. Here's what it says in in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul refers to him here as a son. And it says this elsewhere in Scripture, as well as Philippians 2, 22, it says, But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served me in the work of the gospel. And then again in 1 Corinthians 4, 17, For this reason I have sent to you Timothy, my son whom I love who is faithful in the Lord. And actually, we see Paul throughout Scripture refers to Timothy 19 times as his son. My son, my true son in the faith, my son whom I love. In other words, this wasn't just some typical relationship. He was family to Paul. And just as Timothy was family to Paul, graduates, we want you to know that you are family to us. You're not just some random relationship. We have a history We have memories together, and we're excited that the relationship isn't over yet. Now, we know you've had people in your life who've raised you, who've spent time changing every diaper, walking through the terrible twos, the teething, the awkward preteen years, all those times. We know that we weren't the ones who necessarily raised you, but we had a lot of time spent together, and you are still family to us. Whether you walked through the doors of Baxter Creek the first week you were born, or whether you just showed up a month ago, We want you to know that you are family to us. We're behind you. And when you know you have family behind you, you know that you can do anything. To help with you with that, we have these boxes this morning, and I'll get into that, but in the boxes we have a few things. And so to represent your family to us, in each of the boxes there's an Amazon gift card for $10. I see Madison, yes. Here's what we know. If you've had a child who has gone off to college, I guarantee they all have one thing in common. They've all called mom and dad and asked for what? Money. Very good. So consider this an advance on your allowance. And so parents, you can say, you already got 10 bucks from the church. Go buy what you want. So there you go. There's an Amazon gift card for you. You are family to us. The second thing we learn from this book is whether we're physically apart or together, 
that Paul was with Timothy. Here's what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I love Paul's heart here. Remember, this is a letter written and delivered to Timothy. They are not physically together. But Paul wants Timothy to know that even in their physical distance, I am still with you. I still think about you, and I constantly pray for you and what God is doing in your life. Paul's in prison, and he could think about a ton of things, but he's choosing to focus on his relationship with Timothy and pray for him. Graduates, this is true for you as well. Just like with Paul and Timothy, we are with you. When you are home, we will welcome you with open arms, but even when you're away, we will think about and we will pray for you. And one of the ways that we're gonna commit to this is in your bulletin, if I can get it. You guys could see this class of 2021 list. So if you got it, make sure you got one in your bulletin. If not, grab another bulletin and make sure you have it because what we're gonna commit to as a church to spending the next 12 months praying for these graduates. There's 12 graduates, so you can literally choose one a month for the next year. And I want us as a church to commit to praying for these students. Put it on your fridge, put it on your mirror, put it in your car. If you're online, we're gonna post it later. You can screenshot it. Whatever it takes, pray for these students. Pray for them as they go to college or in their workforce or whatever it looks like. Church, I challenge you and encourage you to pray for the next generation in this way. So something else we're gonna get you graduates. A postcard. I got you a postcard. Self-addressed to myself. And all it says is, baking soon. It just says, hey, could you cook me up something delicious? I would really appreciate it. When you have a time where you're down or whatever and you need to remember that you have a church with you, simply put this in the mail. It's already got a stamp. Fill out your, who's it from and your address and you will have a container, a box of freshly baked cookies on your doorstep within a week to 10 days, depending on how fast UPS gets it there, right? We want you to know we love and care about you, so this is one simple way. Put it in the mail, and you'll have some fresh cookies, and I promise you, they will not be baked by me, okay? And the other thing we have in the box is a phone charger. We want to make sure that you know that we are just a phone call away. Never mind, you guys don't call people, text. That we are just a text away so sit by your phone adults make sure you got the text vibrator going we are just a text away and if you need anything text us text your small group leaders text your whoever volunteered in high school or middle school whoever you connect with here at church we would love to hear be here for you in that way so the third and last thing we find here from paul is that he is for timothy paul's timothy's biggest fan and wants nothing more than to see him succeed and this, full, this whole letter is filled with encouragement for him. Here's what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, in verse 6 through 10. For this reason I remind you to fan into the flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join me in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. 
He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. What a great charge Paul gives here. Use your gifts. Don't be ashamed. Don't be timid. Go live a holy life because of the grace of God. Even from afar, Paul wants Timothy to know that he is for him. He wants nothing more than for him to see him succeed in his missionary journeys and for the kingdom. And graduates, it's the same for you. We are for you, and we want nothing more than to see you succeed for the kingdom wherever you go. One of the things I appreciate about my parents is they're willing to help me out as much as, I could, as, much as they could when I was in college. There were times that they would proofread uh, papers for me, which I don't wish on anyone. They would answer any questions I would have, but the most important thing that they would do for me, my mom still did my laundry. Now, don't get me wrong, I would occasionally do it, but laundry, it costs money. So I was doing them a favor by allowing my mom to do my laundry. <laughs> now, I would come home to visit, and I would pack every square inch of that car with dirty clothes, and my mom was always so happy to see me pull in that drive. <laughs> and please know that we are for you. Whenever you need, we are happy to help. Bring over some laundry. I'd be happy to then put it in my car and drive it to my mom's, and she'll be happy <laughs> to do it. Whatever we can do to help you. And so with that, in your box as well, we have a long laundry bag for you to bring it over so I can take it to my mom, okay? So remember that we're here to do your laundry or whatever else we can do to help you. In church this morning, you've heard a, 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 a kind of a small challenge to pray for these graduates over the next year. But I also have three questions for you. Who is in your family? Who are you doing life with? And who are you for? Many of you could probably answer this question, but I believe there are probably a lot of us who find it a lot harder to answer. And I may be biased. I believe every single person sitting in this room has a responsibility to serve in kids and student ministry. That's what I believe. And if you look at Deuteronomy 6, it makes it clear that that is the responsibility of all of Israel. All of Israel is commanded to help raise the next generation in faith. It doesn't specifically say, hey, parents, hey, grandparents, or if you have young people living with you. No, it says, if you follow Jesus, you have a responsibility to help them find and follow God. And I believe it's the same for us. All of us have a responsibility to help the next generation find and follow Jesus. And so I guess I have to ask, how are you serving the next generation? How are you helping those younger than you find and follow Jesus? Now, obviously, I'm biased, but I think we have the best student and, and children's programming this side of the Mississippi. But it only happens because of volunteers like you guys. And there's always a need for, for you to help the next generation in those areas. So if that is something you are interested in doing, make sure to see Nate, myself, Tyler, Janet, and we would love to help you get plugged into that. But the other thing I would say is that serving the next generation looks 
very different depending on who you are. I, I have people that I know personally that if I have a student who needs help financially going on a trip, I have people that I know if I can call, they will pay for them so they can go. That's serving the next generation. I have some ladies that I know when these postcards are turned in, I know who to call to bake those cookies for these students. That's serving the next generation. I have a guy for years who, have, who has followed us up in his truck in a trailer, followed us to Holland, Michigan for COI simply to drive luggage. And then he turns around and drives home, and then comes back five days later to pick up the luggage and drive it back home. That's serving the next generation. There are some of you who are involved in our Kids Hope program who meet one-on-one -on -one with children at the local elementary school one hour a week. That is serving the next generation. Some of you older folks that I know have taken younger families under your wing, has discipled them, loved them like your own, loved them like your own grandkids. That is serving the next generation. There are some in the elementary ministry who come and simply pack buckets every week so our small group leaders have every supply they could ever need. They're not here on Sundays serving, but they are serving the next generation by simply packing those buckets for our kids. That's serving the next generation. And honestly, the best thing you can do is whether you physically serve in those ways or not, the number one thing that you can do as a church is to pray. I can't emphasize that enough. Our next generation needs us on our knees battling for them on the front lines. And you may not understand what they're going through. And honestly, even as a high school pastor, I don't understand what they're going through a lot of the times. But that, that shouldn't keep us from getting on our knees praying for them. That's the one thing we can all do is to pray for the next generation. In all those areas, do you know what they have in common? Is it age, physical mobility maybe, time, money? No. Each of these examples, everything I've talked about as a church that we can do, it takes one thing from you, intentionality. It takes being intentional with your relationships and everything that you do to be intentional about raising the next generation so that they can grow in their faith. Paul didn't accidentally get into this relationship with Timothy. It wasn't something that, oh, hey, Timothy, let's just do this together. No, Paul was intentional about everything he did with Timothy, and we all need to be intentional about everything that we do to help the next generation. But if you're sitting here listening to these questions saying, man, I wish someone loved me enough for these things to be true. I wish I could be a part of someone's family. I wish someone did life with me. I, live, I wish someone was for me. And I've got good news for you today, friends. That person's name is Jesus. And he wants you to be a part of his family. He is definitely for you, and he wants to do life with you. But it takes that step forward to say, you know what, I need Jesus in my life. So in a moment, we're going to sing a song. We're going to do a couple things, but we're going to sing a song. And if you feel like you need that relationship with God, which each of us do, we would invite you to just to come down. We'll have some staff and elders down here to pray for you. And we want to surround you and help you walk through that decision of following Jesus. The book of 2 Timothy is a letter written to Timothy. Words of encouragement, support in his ministry. And to wrap up today, I decided I wanted to write myself a letter to the graduates. Since I was never smart enough to have a graduation speech myself, I'll just, I wrote my own speech for them. So I'm going to consider this uh, my words to you, but please know I believe these words reflect everyone sitting in this room and watching online as well.
David Diener, a bum who loves Jesus, who was blessed by the opportunity to walk along, alongside these students for the last five years. Graduates, may you abound in grace and love as Jesus so freely gives to you. I can't help but remember and be grateful for the memory, memories shared with most of you. Time soon, I'm sure I will not soon forget. Moments like the gauntlet. For some reason, we thought it was a good idea to do human bowling on rolling carts and have people chuck whatever they could find at them. Thankfully, only one person needed stitches after that night. Time spent on the mission trip where Rob was <laughs> Rob, and evidently I gained a whole lot of weight. Visualizing the moment at CIY two years ago where I was dressed up as Fat Thor with a mullet and a bathrobe and flip-flops, as some of you guys called and said somebody had gotten hurt and they needed me to come help, so I'm sprinting across campus to see you guys literally taking the shirts off your back to stop the bleeding and a belt off your waist to tourniquet or whatever you guys were doing, I don't know. But I'll remember those times, drinking van vanilla chai at Modox with you, playing too many games of spicy you know. We spent time together when life was good and life was hard. Time together in person and time together on a computer screen. If we have not spent much time together, I hope we can spend time together in the coming years. And I want you to encourage you to keep being yourself. That is the best, best version of you who God created you to be. Don't change who you are. Be faithful to your gifts and talents, and God will use them in a great and mighty way. You've been my partner in ministry for these last five years. You've taught me many lessons, and hopefully I have taught you a few things as well. Please know our time together is not over. It is just beginning. But it really is amazing to look back and see how each of us have grown in our relationship with Jesus, and it excites me to know that he will continue to teach us in the coming years. I want to remind you of what Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, conduct, and love, and faith, and purity. You are called to set the example. No matter what all of us old people say, you are called to set the example. You have influence, and you have impact in the world today. Keep seeking Jesus and be like him.